Today, if you would like, turn to Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 22. We're going to be talking about today um, a message that isn't exactly maybe new to many of us. We've probably heard this lesson in Sunday school, and I suppose that's the the point of these weeks, is to kind of go a little bit more in depth to to kind of the Sunday school lessons that we've heard or the the stories that we've heard from the Bible, if not. But if you're new to this, that's great too, and and we're going to see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Um, and so I'm just going to read the text quickly all the way through, and then we're, if you would like to follow along, that's great. I'm reading from New King James, but if anyone, different translation, that's perfectly all right. Um, uh, starting in verse 22 of chapter 14 in the book of Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat, verse 24, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So um, this is the story that we're going to be talking about today. Um, uh, some, somewhat well-known generally in, in the majority of Christians, Peter walking on water. He thinks there's a lot of nice art or illustrated art um, painted into this. But um, it's actually interesting that this story, or at least of Peter walking on water, is the only one mentioned in the, out of the four Gospels in Matthew. And so you ask, why is that? Why is Matthew the only one who mentions Peter walking on water? Luke and John and Mark do not mention this Peter walking on water, although they do mention that Jesus will walk on sea towards them. And so just to kind of help understand why why Matthew would insert this story, particularly into this passage, we kind of have to look at why Matthew is writing the Gospel of Matthew. And so most of us know the Gospels are written to um, tell the people who Jesus was. They tell his story, they tell why he came, who he was in total, but Matthew has a very specific audience in mind. And, and we know that often from the amount of um, the, the uh, Old Testament quotes that he's writing to Jewish people. He's writing to a majority Jewish audience. And, and it's almost like it's, a, it's like an essay. He, and he's, like, he's writing and saying, this is his topic, that Jesus is the fulfilling the law and the prophets and that he is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And that's kind of what he's, what he's getting at with, with this book and with this gospel. And so we're going to try to look at this through almost like a Jewish lens or try to look through it in a way that they would have seen it so that we can get the fullness of kind of what Matthew is trying to say. Um, So the setting is Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And that is a huge miracle to them because the only one who had provided bread out of nowhere was God. You read in the Old Testament how the Israelites were led through the wilderness and God provided manna from heaven. And so when Jesus all of a sudden provides bread out of what we would say nothing, with five loaves and two fish, all of a sudden they're like, this is the Messiah, this is who we've been waiting for. And so you'll read in John that Jesus is like, no, I don't want to be your Messiah in the way that you want me to be your Messiah. So he makes them all leave. 
Um, and so, and then he sends his disciples out on the boat. And so that's kind of the setting is, um, he's just been this huge miracle that really points his identity of being the Messiah. Um, and so then he sends them all away and he goes up by himself to pray. And that's obviously a huge application himself, but we're kind of more or less focused on the Peter aspect of the story. Cause that's kind of the, the only thing that's not mentioned in the other gospels. Um, and so, um, the disciples are in a place of struggle. It's, it's quite obvious. They're, they're struggling against the wind and, and against uh, the, the waves. And, and Jesus, uh, in Mark, you will read that Jesus actually saw that they were struggling. And obviously, this, this symbolic of water, I remember I touched on it briefly in Job, is that it's chaotic. It's, it's something dangerous. It's something in, in a dangerous place um, where they're in, and, and they can't get across. And it's interesting, because Galilee is no more than really, I think it's uh, seven miles. It's not that big. The Sea of Galilee is not that big, but they're, they're in the middle, and they're caught in this, in this uh, struggle or in this chaos. And so for Jesus to, to walk on, on the water really is a huge symbol in itself for them that Jesus is somebody who, who kind of walks on chaos. He's somebody who, who is above the, the chaos that, that they have. And so that alone points to almost the symbolic value of him being as God. But um, I'm really just going to look at what Peter says. And so the disciples see it's a ghost. And Jesus says, no, it's me. And so Peter responds quite interestingly. He says, if it's really you, command me to come out. And you say, well, why would Peter want to say? Why would he want to get out of the boat and walk with Jesus? And it really has to do with what Peter was as a disciple of Jesus. And so to kind of understand, we kind of have to look a little bit about our Jewish history and what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. And so basically what the disciples were is we, we call them disciples or Jesus calls them apostles. But what they were beforehand is, is this word called Talmud. And that's a Jewish word. And basically that means you are somebody who has more or less kind of passed the Jewish standards of elementary school and high school, but only the best would become what we would call Talmids. And so um, Talmids were people who would seek out a rabbi or a famous rabbi like Jesus and want to study under him. And it's not the kind of studying that we would think as in um, like a professor these days where you sit in a class and there's a bunch of you and you write down what he says and you're trying to pass your exams or, or get that certificate. It's more of a, a learning of lifestyle. That's what they're trying to do. They, they walk with Jesus to learn how he walked, to, to basically carry on his lifestyle, his message, his, his way of interpreting the, the Bible, I guess, is, is kind of how to do it. And so what they would do is if they saw their teacher doing something, they would want to do it too. And so that's kind of almost where Peter's coming from. He sees Jesus doing something, and he wants to do it like Jesus. And that's very, very normal. Because if, and obviously with Jesus, he wasn't like most rabbis, so... It's almost like a very bold step for Peter to say, if it is you, then command me to come. But he's saying, basically, Jesus, if you, are, if you are actually walking on that water and it's not something that I'm envisioning, then command me to come. Help me to become like you in this situation. And so Jesus then beckons Peter and he says, come to me. Um, and, and so that's, that's obviously Jesus calling out Peter in itself to, to come to him. Um, but it's interesting with what the disciples are is, you'll notice that Jesus, in the Bible, he calls each one of them. And, and, and this is very contrary. It's, it's not something that normal rabbis did. Usually a student would come and want to follow a rabbi, but Jesus calls them individually, which means that he's putting trust in them. He's saying, I, I understand that you can, to, you can kind of be like me. And so for me to, to call out somebody, and to, it's like, I guess it's more or less like me coming on interning. 
for, for Northgate kind of wanting me to come on intern, they're, they're trusting in my capacity to kind of learn underneath them and to kind of to walk, to, to kind of learn and to learn how Northgate works and to kind of learn under leaders like my dad, Randy, um, and different elders in the church. And that's kind of what it is like for, for Peter. And so, but Peter all of a sudden, um, and he's called by Jesus, but then he starts to sink. And you say, well, well why is he sinking? And so obviously we, we believe that he's doubting, but what exactly is Peter doubting? And so um, I'm just going to read something. When Jesus, the rabbi, walked on water, Peter, the, the student or the disciple, wanted to be like him. Certainly Peter had not walked on water before, nor could he have imagined being able to do it. However, if the teacher who chose me because he believed that I could be like him can do it, so can I. And he did. And it was a miracle, but he was just wanting to be like Jesus. And so already that's huge application in our life. Like we see, we see God at work and we say, God, I want to I be like you. That's kind of what we're called to do, is to be like God and to walk like God. And so, yeah, and so often we, we're, we're called into different aspects of our life and whatever that looks like, teaching, being a mom, being a dad, being working in your different environments. God calls us all to be like him in our, in our different aspects of life. But, but Peter is doubting. And, and, he, and he doubts what? And traditionally, we have seen as he doubted Jesus' power, but maybe, but Jesus was still standing on water. And so it is possible that Peter doubted himself, or better yet, maybe his, um, maybe his ability to be like Jesus, to be empowered like Jesus. And so Peter is walking, and all of a sudden he starts to doubt, and he's saying, wait, I can't be like Jesus. I'm just a man. I know you've called me to be like you, but I don't think I can. And so then he starts to sink. And that's almost, he looks at, looks at what is around him. He's like, wait, am I really able to do this? Am I really good enough to do this? Am I really able to be like Jesus in this situation? I don't think so. And he starts to sink. And so that already is a, a huge lesson for us, is um, that when, when we doubt in our lives, what is Jesus' response to us? And he immediately shows Peter. He reaches out and he picks him up. He doesn't say, Peter, I know I've called you to be like me. I place such confidence in you, and you failed. He says, no, let me show you grace and mercy and help you back up to, to, come, to become like me. And so already, like for, for the Jews who understand what Peter is as a student trying to be like his master, and he fails because he doubts himself, they're like, well, Jesus, he failed. Why do you, why do you, why do you bring him back up, right? He didn't do what you wanted him to do. You empowered him to walk on water. He was walking. But then he doubts, and they're saying, and this is already huge, that Jesus would want to rescue Peter from that, from that doubt, and says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? It's not like, why did you doubt that I'm walking on water? Why did you doubt that you can, that I chose you, and that you can walk on water as well, because I've chosen you to do this, and I've called you to do this. And so already in our lives, God calls us to many things, and to many different aspects of life. And sometimes we doubt our calling and say, well, I can't do this. God, you don't understand. I, I can't do this. I know you've called me to it, but I don't think I can do it. And we're obviously right. We can't. But Jesus choosing us to do that and calling us to do that means he will empower us to do that as well. And sometimes we forget that empowerment part and we take on the burdens that, that we feel like God is giving us. And we take on the things God is giving us and we say, I'll walk with this myself. And we forget that as Jesus calls, he equips as well. He equips you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. And so Sometimes, like, I know in my life, I, even almost preparing this message, you, you want to take on what God has given you in this message, and you want to carry it yourself and be like, 
well, how much research can I do? How, much, how many things can I make? How many points can I do? And Jesus is like, I, just trust me. Trust that I've empowered you. Trust in, trust in that dependence and, and seek my wisdom over what you understand in yourself. And so that's what, and, and trust that if you do sink, I'm not going to let you sink. I'm going to pick you back up and I'm going to raise you up like me. And not only that, but I'm going to also calm what is around you. Jesus, when he goes back into the boat, Jesus silences the storm. He silences chaos around them. And it's interesting that he had done this before. Jesus had already done this. You read in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 and 27. He had already calmed the storm before. But they, but they have a different response, actually. The disciples say, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? But this time they recognize him as the son of God. And, and there's this, like, it almost takes this second act. It almost takes them seeing that not only can Jesus calm the storm, but he can empower others as well to walk with him. And then in that, he also calms the storm. Um, and so it's obviously, this is a huge pointing to him being the Messiah because he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And we think of the law, we think of Moses. Moses was the only one, the only, I guess, the law man who split the Red Sea. I mean, God split the Red Sea, but he was the figure used to split the Red Sea. The prophets, probably the most well-known prophet was Elijah. Elijah also split a sea. He split the Jordan River. And so this is already Jesus saying, I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. I've come together and I'm fulfilling it. I'm silencing that. And so I'm going to continue to focus on Peter because, um, yeah, and, and what Peter struggled with is doubt, right? He says, oh, uh, verse 31 of chapter 14, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And this sense of doubting, um, the Greek word of doubting really, it almost, I guess to, to give an example of what doubt would have meant is it's like you're standing at a crossroads and you don't know which one to go on. That's doubt. You're in a position and you have two ways to go but you don't know, and, and you shift between one and the other. It's like a double standing. You're not set on one particular course. And so Peter obviously has some kind of, I guess we could call it some kind of civil war going on in his head. I think I can do it, but I don't know if I can. And so, um, and so what happens is, is God brings peace in this. And so I would, I would say that, that there is a peace that happens when, when Jesus rescues Peter, and it almost gives Peter a peace. And, and peace is not something that's defined on our own terms, but it's almost when we are outside, um, we are outside of our own terms. Um, and so Jesus almost silences not only the storm, but he almost silences this inner turmoil that Peter could have had in his situation of doubting, what do I do? And so Jesus kind of silences both of that by saying, look, I, I've empowered you and I can lift you back up. So that would bring peace to Peter's life to know that hey, I do struggle in following Jesus, but Jesus can bring, does bring grace and, and mercy into my situation. And that really was a big piece probably in Peter's life. And, and it is probably something that stayed with him for a long time to know that even if he failed, Jesus could rescue him back up from his failure. And even if he doubts, Jesus could still rescue him in that. And so maybe when he failed then the next time, I don't know, this isn't in the Bible, but maybe if when he failed the next time, in the future, he, he remembered back to this lesson. Hey, I did fail, but Jesus was, did have grace in my life. Therefore, I can repent and go back to Jesus and cry out, Lord, save me. Because often, and, and that's how he responds when he failed, again, in denying Jesus. He, he did feel broken, yes, because that was a huge mistake. But he could have had this lesson before, this building up. 
that, yes, I can fail, but Lord, save me, and Jesus is faithful to save him. And so almost turning that back on us, how do we deal with our own failures? And Jesus takes us often, God will take us often through these little lessons before bringing us to big lessons. God is very progressive. He's not going to throw a huge challenge, and he kind of builds with us. And so I would, I would say sometimes we need to look back. When were the times that I cried out, God save me, and he did? And now I can walk forward in what I feel God calling me to do because I have that trust that when I do fail and when I do doubt and don't know which way to stand on, choose God's way or, or fall into my own feelings of inadequacy or my own doubts, that God is faithful to, to save me in that. And so that, that is like peace because it's not dependent upon our own ability anymore. It's dependent upon God. That's where our peace comes from, and, and often we strive for peace in our own situations, and often by seizing control of situations. If only if I had enough control, if only I had everything in order, then I will have peace. But it's often peace comes when it's outside of our control. When, when, when God takes us to a point where, there, where we can't figure it out. Peter couldn't have, I don't know, levitated himself back up onto the water, <laughs> more or less. He had to trust that Jesus would save him in that situation, and I guess that would really bring peace. And it's interesting, peace in its original meaning is the freedom from civil disorder. It's the freedom from inner turmoil. That's what peace is. And so that's, and, and it's also freedom from outside disorder. And so Jesus gives Peter and the disciples peace in this story, in both things. He, he helps Peter answer his own questions, am I good enough for Jesus? And he helps also answer the disciples, is Jesus powerful enough over this storm? And he says, yes. I am both. I come together in that. I can bring peace into your lives. And so today, how do we accept God's peace in our lives? Are we able to, do we surrender and, and cry out, Lord, save me, to gain that peace? And, uh, and often, are we willing to take that step first? Are we willing to take that step? If, if, Lord, if you're calling to me this, you'll say, come, and I'll go out. Peter was the only one who stepped out of the boat because he said, Lord, if it is you, you can command me, and I can go because you have commanded me. And so that is a huge lack of, of fear. <laughs> He's willing to trust Jesus to say, if you call me, then I don't need to worry. And, and so in that, we, we can take steps into our lives and say, God, if it is you calling me, I don't need to fear. I don't need to be afraid of what's ahead because you're calling me and I can trust that even if I do doubt, you can save me. And so that is that, the, the peace that, that can come into our lives in this story. And... Um, Yeah, even in our failures, God brings that peace into our lives. And so I, I would say that peace rests with God ultimately. It's not us gaining peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of, of looking at God and saying, God, even if I do fail, even if I do doubt, you're, you are able to save me. And if you do call, then I can come because my job is to become like you in whatever situation we're in, whether it's in, in money or, or work or, or family or, or however that is. Um, and so looking at Jesus ultimately allows our peace to rest with Jesus. And so that's what I would challenge us with today is, is where are we finding our peace in our lives? How are we gaining peace? Is it through what we would evaluate as our doing well in life or, or our being successful in life or successful in whatever areas? I'm a successful parent. I'm a successful teacher or, or, or preacher or, or whatever, <laughs> right? Um, but how are we gaining that peace? Is it, is it looking, because when we often look at ourselves, we lose that peace because we feel inadequate often. And that's one of the first things the enemy will try to attack in our lives is our inadequacy. You're not good enough for, for God. He can't really use you. You're going to sink. And, and that's often when we need to either just cry out to Jesus or just look at Jesus and say, God, you're, you, you've called me. 
I can trust that you're going to call me into, into in, as you call me, you're going to hold me up and save me when I do fail. And so that's, that's the message that, that, that Peter experienced in, in something quite applicable to us. So I'm just going to pray and close that out. Yes, Jesus, thank you, God, for your peace. Thank you, Father, for, for the peace that you just want to give each one of us. God, I just pray that you would, you'd help us just continually look at you, God, me first and foremost in my life, Lord, that I would just look at you in, in my situations, God, and, and just trust in what you're doing, Father God. And I just thank you for everyone here, God. I just pray, yeah, for a blessing of freedom, Father God. I just pray that you'd set each one of us free um, by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to just walk with you, God, and to walk in confidence in you and to walk with confidence with you, Father God. And I just pray that, um, yeah, that we would each have confidence in, in you and in who you've called us to be, Father God. And so I just pray a blessing on everyone's week today, God. I just pray, um, yeah, for health as well, Father God, in this place. I pray for any physical health, God, any emotional health as well, God. I just pray for your, your power to work right now, Father. And I thank you for what you're doing. Amen.